And now we're live. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Uh, welcome to this week in Mormons International Edition. Uh, just so you know, we've been speaking for like 10 minutes with my co-host today, Daniel Ferreira, and we hadn't pressed recording because we are new to this. Uh, things that happen. You learn the hard way. So I'm Daniel Yanez. I'll be uh, the co-host today with Daniel Ferreira. And uh, sorry that you have to deal with two Daniels. It would be uh, a bit difficult to, <laughs> to, to, to manage. That, to manage, but at yeah. the same time, easier. You know, you'll get the name right for both of us. Uh, so first of all, um, yeah, we're new hosts. Uh, this is a bit of a pilot, and uh, we called it the TWIM International Edition, uh, taking uh, this podcast show uh, beyond the its usual realms of mainly US-centric uh, news and voices, which, which is great. You know, nearly half the church membership is in the US, but in that nearly half, you have the other more than half, which is actually uh, outside the US. And for a few years now, we crossed that threshold. And here we are to represent a little bit of those voices. Uh, we are not by any means a full representation on the, of the diversity and globality of the church, but we're an extra voice and we're delighted to be with you here today. So first I'm going to turn it to uh, Daniel to um, tell us a little bit about himself. Do you want to introduce yourself, Danny? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, as Danny said, uh, I'm Daniel Ferreira. I've been here in the U.S. for 10 months already. I, I came with my family. I married three kids uh, So we came to Troy, New York, and I'm doing a PhD here at a university that's called RPI. And it's been a very interesting experience uh, altogether. And but it's been also hard in some in some particular perspectives. We had this uh, established life in Chile. Uh, Natalia is a speech therapist. Uh, I worked in a university and then we left everything uh, just to pursue this crazy idea of mine of, of getting a PhD here. And again, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been wonderful in, in many other aspects. Uh, my kids have learned a lot of English now that, that they're becoming fluent and it's just great to have this opportunity at this point of, of our lives to to experience both the culture but also church related um, situations and, and getting to know people here members that are of course different from from the usual Utah based kind of members yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna so ask you. Yeah. I, I think it's 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 Generally speaking, it's just great. We're, we love the place. We love the church. I, I was recently called as a counselor in the ward also. So mm -hmm. that's also given me some interesting perspectives about yeah. Yeah, leadership uh, at church. I was also a counselor back in Chile. So uh, I, I'm not equalizing the experience, but I'm saying that, that I've been given this opportunity to, to serve in the church in, in, yeah. different, in different places and, and it And, I, and I'm happy, of course, and I'm willing yeah. to. And it's and a close-up view as well, like in work council and, you know, talking about kind of the, the more local needs, right? You have those two you, samples. You, you get to understand, and you get to understand what are the needs that are, are of course, different between yeah. what happens with people in Chile in different words and stakes and what happens here and what are the needs and how you, you approach them and how you, you, you find a way to solve them. So, But, but it's been wonderful also to, to have this opportunity to discuss about these topics. And, of course, uh, one of the most wonderful things about uh, being together today is the fact that we know each other for I don't know 15 years and we've yeah. been doing some very fun stuff together and, and I love the the fact that we have this opportunity different one but but lovely and interesting one to I don't know to host this this pilot and, and to have this opportunity to talk about yeah. church related uh, news another fun thing to add to the list because uh, yeah we met 15 years ago as you said well 14 almost no 2009, 14, yeah. 14. And back then I was living in the U.S. getting my, my undergrad at BYU. So I, I, I was one of those that, that went to BYU. I was newly married uh, and had a or newborn baby. Not newborn, but like nine months old. And we went back for the first time to Chile after my also my first time in the U.S., that experience. And my parents had moved from Santiago, where I'm from, to where you lived in Villa Alemana, which, which is this 
really unique town. German village. That's German village. Like Springfield. Springfield space. Yeah. It's like the Springfield. Yeah, like Simpsonian <laughs> in nature. <laughs> it's this very odd town. I mean, maybe you can characterize it a bit better than, than I can. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting place because uh, some people might think it's very German-like rooted, but I would say that it has a, a bigger, wider Italian heritage rather than German. Even That's though the, it, there are some families, though, uh, it has some windmills. I mean, it's it's very particular, but it's very small. It's tiny. However, it's a small town, yeah. However, in terms of church uh, uh, size, it's just huge. It has two sticks. Yeah. So it, it's just interesting to see how, how a very tiny little town yeah. in northern central northern chile uh it's so big uh, church wise right yeah and i think you can trace back like dozens of you know mission presidents area 70s you know leaders that have moved around chile and beyond if you go to utah or, or in the mountain west and you go to a like a spanish-speaking world you're very likely to find a few chileans and very likely that they can trace their roots back to Villa Alemana to this kind of random <laughs> parents, town. uncles, yeah. yeah, aunts, yeah. yeah. So back that in the were 70s, born and that's there. a town where my, my parents settled there in a kind of a nearby area called Peña Blanca. And, you know, they were kind of building the church there. It was a branch. My dad was a branch president and became the bishop and whatnot. Funny fact. Yeah. Funny fact. My mom was the first missionary in Villa Alemana. So. Oh, wow. I did not remember. You might have mentioned that in the past, but I did not remember it. So, yeah, yeah. Even so all routes yeah. are traced back to, to that town. <laughs> to Italy. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. I challenge you if you serve a mission in Chile, especially in Viña del Mar Mission, you probably know what town we're talking about. And you maybe even served there. It would be great to hear you if you spent some time there. And uh, so, yeah, back in 2009, uh, I visited and we met. And I think we, we, I remember being in like Elders Quorum lessons, those, because I stayed for like two months on that trip and yeah just kind of getting along and one thing led to another we became and, friends right we connected and, on and let's mention levels. that the Villalemana is not the biggest city right so there's not much to do so it was just <laughs> yeah. great to to get to know someone yeah. let's say uh with things in common and then we had the chance to to talk about yeah, somebody comes from interest from music and yeah, and yeah, we, what what was your perspective about being away from Chile for for a while at that point? It was like two or three years, right? It, and it was like a life changing experience on many levels. Like much of my kind of those were my formative years, right after my mission, right, and living as a as a migrant. Um, it was you know challenging and being on a, on a visa in the U.S. and and all of that really opened my eyes. And those were very interesting days as well in the U.S. We're talking about 2008, 2009. The whole Prop 8 thing happened. I was teaching at the MTC. And what else happened? Well, the Obama election, right? It was very momentous, not just at church, yeah. but in the world. And then going back to Chile and kind of reconnecting. It was quite nice. So we met in that context. Funny and, fact. Funny yeah. fact. I was in an REM concert in Chile. And then REM asked, I don't know, the production or something. And they 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 put on, on the big screen during the show, you know, uh, yeah. that Obama won the election in 2028, oh, really? right? Yeah, 2008. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, 2008. so it, it was, yeah, it was grandiose, you know, it was big. It was a big, big thing to have uh, uh, historic, Democrat yeah. president, uh, 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 African-American president. So it's just in yeah. all levels was great, right? Which, by the way, is later on the Articles of News section. We're going to get to a little bit of that, right? So, some things yeah. have happened this week that merit some discussion, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, it's a delight to have you, Danny, join. Uh, I think you already, I've already introduced myself through this conversation a little bit, right? I'm also from Chile, as Danny. I, I was born in this town in Villa Alemana, but I grew up in Santiago, which is the capital city in Chile. I. Uh, when I'm asked where I'm from, I usually say Santiago because of that. But I'm the youngest of four brothers. And uh, yeah, I just, just grew up in the church as well. My dad was the, the, the first convert in my family back in 1968 after years of actually the missionaries uh, trying to insisting? get Insisting? Yeah, insisting. Okay. So, so yeah. back in 1962, I believe, or 63, my dad can fact check me later on. Very early days in the church in Chile. I think the first missionaries arrived in 1955 yeah. or 56. So this was just a few years in with a few branches, no stakes, nothing like that in Chile. 
and the missionaries found my grandfather, whom I never met. He he passed away just a few years after that, when my dad was okay, in his late. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't so, know that that that's that's yeah. Fun. And they live in Valparaíso, which is this World Heritage site of a city. It's a port town. Well, port city actually. It's like a natural amphitheater with very the, scenic the, places. The biggest port at that time, of course. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So my dad lived there. And, you know, from a kind of a, a port-related family, my, my grandfather was a merchant um, sailor, right? And, uh, yeah, he was interested in the church. But my grandmother, who just passed away a few months ago, uh, she was not. <laughs> she was not really keen. She was kind of and, against it. <laughs> yeah, very, very against it. But but they got the Book of Mormon and, yeah. and they got a, a few of the discussions back then. And... Then one day, my, my grandfather and my dad never saw them again. And years they stopped after, visiting because because your grandma kicked them out kind of yes, thing? Yes, okay. exactly. But they didn't know? They didn't know. Oh, okay. I, I, I think oh. years later, my, my, my dad found out that my grandmother told him, yeah, one day they came when they were not around and she just like chased them with like a broom, like very stereotypical kind of, if you know what Chavo like, del Ocho is, you know, from Mexico. With the chancla. Else, with the chancla. Yeah, with a chan- yeah, yeah, exactly. Like picture the stereotypical Latin American mom, you know, just yeah. throwing things yeah, at the, the mission. With the apron and yeah. Sure. Exactly. Just, just like yeah. that. Think Chavo del Ocho if you're from Mexico or elsewhere, like all Latin America knows what Chavo del Ocho is, is this TV show and, yeah, that happened. So, but the Book of Mormon was left at home, and my dad, you know, read it and really enjoyed the, the word okay. chapters, and he read it as a, as a book of literature. And you know, as you said, uh, there was not much to do <laughs> back then in the sixties, <laughs> even less. Until one day, he ran into missionaries again, and I don't have enough time to talk about the details, but one led thing, one thing led to another again, and had a, a few experiences that that led him to being baptized uh, right at around the time my grandfather was uh, terminally ill with cancer. So it's like a, also an intersection moment for my dad. And and off he goes. He meets my mom later on. They get married. A, a couple of years after that, they get baptized in this town. Fast forward 40 years, and here I am. So You made me, you made me think about this, this concept that the church was very strong about during those days related to uh, the purpose of life, right, and, and the plan of salvation. But in particular, one of, one of the biggest issues in, in missionary discussions was the purpose of life, right? Where... Where do we come from? Why are we here? And and where yeah. where should we go next? Right? Or where are we going next? And yeah. and I think for many people was was life changing. It was eye opening in terms of no one ever talked about that. And even, even though these were the biggest questions of humanity, right? Yeah. Uh, no one had clear answers. Even though philosophy and I don't know uh, different uh, religious perspectives tried to address it, uh, yeah. it was always kind of uh, negative in context and or uh, Kind of um, so spiritually yeah. damaging because you, you get you got the feeling like uh, if you if you weren't perfect then you were doomed to this purgatorium kind of thing right so it was great yeah. for for most of this uh, Latin American people that were raised into this Catholic tradition to hear about uh, this uh, life after this that was positive in nature right like like, like it had a, a a positive context and then yeah that there was uh, hope after and after hope. this life yeah. Right? yeah it was very star wars like like a new hope but <laughs> but i'm glad you said that because you know the scripture and me, well many places in the scripture it says like the, the field is ready to harvest and if there was a field that was absolutely ready to harvest in the 1960s was chile because yeah absolutely this message you're, you're kind of summarizing now resonated and when like like a wildfire is spread uh, so fast. Like within two decades, Chile went from not having the church established there to becoming the fourth country with the most church members by the late eighties and through the nineties. So I think to this day, still in the top ten, I think it's number six now, just being surpassed by the similarly explosive growth in the Philippines in the nineties and to this day. And um, I'm forgetting Peru. I think right now, like in the last couple of years, surpassed Chile. It's, it surpassed but, Chile, yeah. But yeah, yeah and you it, made me think. Yeah, that time back in the end of the seventies, I think my dad joined the the, the church to to build to, to build church buildings. So it, it was massive. I mean, they had uh, building projects uh, that they were all over the the country. So it was. Yeah. A huge thing. It, it, this were projects happening. I don't know in ten cities at the same time, and, and this construction 
contractors, right? So it, it was big. It was yeah. massive. It attracted a lot of attention. Even uh, the, the the public opinion were, were attracted to the fact that these yeah. Mormons were, were, you know, building churches all over the country, and, yeah. and these buildings had a very particular design. And, and yeah, what are know, those spires? What are the spires? Yeah. Those are yeah. CIA antennae. Yeah. And antenna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which so they're transmitting. They're transmitting. All, yeah. They're transmitting. That, that they're hidden. Yeah, all of that dark stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. it happens, and for those that know, just a tiny bit of history as well, and about Latin American his recent history, most of this period overlapped with a terrible time in Chile, which was the dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet from 73 to 1990, uh, which was a kind of a, a right-wing, kind of a Western-friendly dictatorship in response to kind of left-wing, more Soviet-friendly Uh, movements that preceded it in Chile. So Chile was a bit of a battleground of these two ideologies. And so there was a lot of, um, what, what's the word? Uh, like, you know, nuance to debate, or hustle. debate and, 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 and yeah. yeah, suspicion. That's what I was looking yeah. for about okay. what the church's intent was, right? And because of that overlap, yeah. uh, you know, it was a reasonable the suspicion myth. to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the urban myth was the, the missionaries were CIA agents undercover, right? And then which, members of the church, yeah. Which, I mean, you're wearing which white shirts and tie, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, the but I, 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 I believe we we should invest a whole chapter about it. There's so much. Episode, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, so, so much. And uh, I hope this is not the last episode of Trim International Edition, because as you can see, we're talking about this tiny country in South America, Chile, that has just so much to offer in church history. Actually, the last tidbit about Chile that I will throw is, did you know that the first um, apostle to visit Chile was actually Parley P. Pratt? And I think it was 1852, 53? 53, uh, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure. We, we, should, we should check that out. Yeah. But yeah, th th there is a tomb yeah. in Valparaiso of, of one of his sons, right? Yeah, Omner Pratt. It's a church history yeah. site. Yeah. yeah. I think my, my parents, maybe yours were around as well when that site was dedicated. I think it was in the late 80s or early 90s. We have like pictures of, of that in, in our family albums. And yeah, I think that they, they went there to check if the field was ready to harvest and it wasn't back then a <laughs> hundred years later it was and and he actually lived two three months in Quillota, which is quite close to this town we've been talking about uh, Villa Alemana so yeah there's much more to uh, uncover about not just this area yeah. but but the whole country and South America so yeah delighted to 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 be here and just to finish up my introduction <laughs> so I currently live in the UK so we're connected we're five six hours five hours apart with that hours, in Europe. yeah distance yeah I live north of London in a place called St. Albans. Uh, the St. Albans England Stake is, is here. Uh, I happen to be serving serving as the bishop of the St. Albans Ward as of last year as well. So I'm in, in close to a year mark now, and it's been quite experience. So uh, also bring not just the Chile perspective, but now for the last seven years I've lived in the UK, uh, the perspective of being in the church in Europe, which is a whole different thing as well, despite being the same church. So... Yeah, it's impossible to. Uh, I, I would like to to add to that that it's impossible to think that the church uh, will not get a little bit uh, tainted with the cult, the local culture. You know, I mean, it's we have, of course, we have the handbook, we have uh, policies and procedures, which is great. I, I, I love that, right? However, the, there's always this particular, you know, mixture of what happens locally, right? And and I think that's something interesting about about having this opportunity to to participate in this podcast, yeah. you know, like to talk about this nuances that occur only locally. And even though we might think it's significant and useful to, to be translated or uh, uh, being inceptioned in, in our local circumstances, sometimes it's just non-viable uh, because the, the culture will not contain it or will not be, you know, suitable for, for, for that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. No great addition because, The something that I took a lot of pride on in the past, and I still do, but it's like, oh, the church everywhere you go is the same, right? And, and, and that's something that there's so much truth to that uh, because of what you were saying, you know, the processes, procedures, even the architecture, the, the look and feel, kind of the, the, for lack of a better term, even though I don't like kind of business terms in church context, the branding of the church, yeah. right? It, it's quite consistent and, and it's like an instant home wherever you go, yet... It is so different at the same time. And you know what? I think that 
that's how it's meant to be. It's supposed to be. And it's be like fine. That. I, I think there's yeah. room for that. Uh, I, I always, I love this talk from Elder Ogdorf where, where we're all invited, right? Whatever background we had, we're all invited to church. And I think mm-hmm. uh, when you see it in uh, a sacrament meeting, when, I don't know, the, the person that is conducting either the bishop or the counselors used whatever expression or, or a small joke uh, to keep everyone paying attention, it's just necessary because this is also a human an endeavor, right? We're not kind of uh, trained robots or trained monkeys that are doing exactly the same every Sunday. So it's it's kind of a needed aspect of, of every church meeting. Yeah, and the last few years have been revealing of of that, and, and there's been a, a, a positive trend of, of accepting and valuing and, and also showcasing that. So big props to the This Week in Mormons team as well for allowing us to do this, right? This is exactly the types of types of things that I think can, can be helpful in bringing the global church together uh, of including everyone and, and valuing that, that there's so much value in that. So Thanks, Let's Danny. go to uh, one of the news, right? Should, should yeah. we cover some news? Let's, right. Exactly. Good. Let's jump right in. And we took a few liberties since this is the first show that we do uh, as a host. Uh, it is this week's. So we went a, a bit further back on, so for some commentary with our, with our perspectives on, on some of those. but uh, And also we tried to pick on, on some international news, which sometimes go under the radar, right? Uh, so yeah, let's start with some of, of those. You want to go first with one from your list? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should. I mean, I got yesterday. I got a, a letter uh, related to political neutrality uh, here in the U.S. Uh, it's a letter that we have to read on on sacrament meeting this Sunday, related to the importance of of exercising our uh, opportunity to vote. Right and. Uh, yeah, I've heard for, some of those. Us, yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, uh, democracy is kind of a big thing because we come from a place where we were born while, while there was a dictatorship. So we value a lot uh, democracy in general because we understand its importance and because we were for a long period of time under a dictatorship. So obviously, you, you get a different perspective uh, out of the right to vote, right? So one of the Key elements of this letter that is different from others is the fact that uh, the first presidency is suggesting members here in the U.S. This is, this is a U.S. letter uh, is suggesting members not only to vote based on their past tradition or based on the flag, political flag, right, but also to to ponder about whom you're you're trying to vote for and this person's, you know. I don't know if agenda is the proper word, but maybe their, their plans, their intentions, or, or, or their motivations, and, and what have been their uh, interests in the past. Yeah. And, and I think it's only reasonable, right? Because I don't think, and, and to, to, to pile up on that, uh, the fact that you might have uh, parties or political parties, right? But that's not really the only trend uh, politicians follow, you know? So... If, if a politician is constantly jumping from one side to the other in terms of, I don't know, uh, polls, right, or, mm. or public opinion, then it's just uh, difficult to trace back which are their roots or their intentions or their um, direction towards uh, the political sphere. So I think it's just necessary. And if we're believers in personal relation, it's just mandatory, I think, to to ponder about these things and to pray about them because uh, the right to vote is something still new for humanity, right? It's, it's, it's not something <laughs> it's that yeah, yeah, we, we take that for granted. Right? Yeah. 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 And uh, it's interesting. You share this letter with me because uh, as you said, it was shared uh, with us bishops and stake presidents were not to be read in sacrament meeting. Right. So I didn't get it. I'm in the UK, but um, I wonder if, like I would appreciate if we had like similar letters for for other locals, right? And I understand that that's not scalable. You know, there are two hundred and something odd countries around the world, and and probably a uh, a letter for each country can, can be feasible. I know there have been some like area presidency level letters. Uh, I know in Chile because of recent uh, elections and very eventful last few years as well in Chile that there's been messages shared there. Now the tone of this one and the tone of some of the other ones vary a little bit, and. What I took from this letter is that 
um, uh, when I read it, is it's the same message than before, but it went way more specific. Uh, the, I have some some here, if you don't mind me reading uh, a little bit. For example, this, this paragraph here says, some principles compatible with the gospel may be found in various political parties, and members should see candidates who best embody those principles, right? We've heard that in, in many of the letters, I can think more than 10 years back of all the, the letters that are issued, they stress that. Um, but but I, love, I love the fact that it's not stressing one political party. And, and I think that's that's key. That's essential. Something that I've noticed here is that uh, you've got Republicans and Democrats, right? But for us, from our Latin American perspective, they're just center, slightly left and center, slightly right, right? Uh, yeah. this, there's not this uh, wide variety of, of uh, left and right parties. It's yeah. just it's a very, yeah. Yeah, what I've noticed is that the U.S. is very two-party. It's yeah. a two-party system. It's, it's a two-party system, yeah. That. And that's led to kind of dynamics are unique to being a two-party system, especially a strong polarization in the last few years. Uh, whereas in Chile, for example, it, it's more of a continuum. There's dozens of parties. You can go back 10 years ago, you look at the makeup of those political parties, and many of them just don't exist anymore. They're completely yeah, and, insignificant. And, and the fact is that it's a, yes. and it's a small country, Still, yeah. right? I mean, it's this politicians, most of them went to the same schools or, or come yeah. from the same family. So it's just easier to trace them down to their root origins. While here in the US, it's just a 300 million country people, right? So, people, so it's just difficult to understand again their political agendas or their yeah. intentions, right? So the only tool we've got as members of the church, right, is just to trust on our good judgment, but also to trust on, on personal revelation about these issues. Because yeah. it's impossible to find uh, either a political party and or uh, a politician that is going to align 100% with our religious yeah. views or with our... Or personal uh, views, for that matter. Yeah. Personal views as well, right. And I think, <clears throat> now, you said that, Yet the, what I found when I moved to the U.S. in 2007 as a 21-year-old return missionary, and also when I went back again to get my master's in 2014, was a, a culture that a church culture that did not necessarily align with that. It was there was a de facto understanding for a majority, I would say, not everybody, but I think it's safe to say a majority that there was one specific political party that aligned better. Or that was the endorsed, somewhat kind of, you know, not explicitly, but yeah, kind of endorsed. And I would party. like to double click about right. it, yeah, because I've seen the same in in the church in, in Chile, you know. So it's, I think it's problematic because, and I think that's why uh, First Presidency sends this letter every yeah. time we've got this uh, elections processes because, again, the church will not endorse any particular political party. Church will invite everyone that wants to be part of the political sphere <laughs> to participate or to engage in whatever civil or, or political uh, endeavor okay. is available. And I think it's only reasonable, right? We, we're allowed to to use to use our good judgment about these things in a way that allows us to uh, help others. And and the problem with that is that when you have this predetermined. Uh, political view, you're just preventing the new generations also to think by themselves. Yeah. Because if your parents have this political view and they say, no, because this is aligned to what we believe, uh, it prevents you it from thinking, well, maybe. Yeah, it perpetuates and it prevents you from thinking, well, maybe I should also see what the other political parties can offer yeah. or or suggest or or share with us, right? And that's a great segue to the part that I really wanted to emphasize because the previous bit I read is like kind of more the, what we've read in previous past letters. But here it says something I, I don't remember hearing in, with this level of specificity. It says, members should also study candidates carefully and vote for those who have demonstrated integrity, compassion, and service to others, regardless of political affiliation. Also, this is a bit more specific, but still in the tone of, of previous letters. Now, the next one I really found like, wow, that's it's nice to, to hear this that's... level of kind of um, assertiveness. It says, merely voting a straight ticket 
you know, which is a more more of a U.S. term, right? A ticket, kind of yeah. a joint candidacy or, or, or whatever that means. But yeah, avoiding a, a straight ticket or voting based on quote tradition close quote without careful study of candidates and their positions on important issues is a threat to democracy. Right, that, that's new. I don't remember. It's a threat that. to democracy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's very powerful. I, yeah. I think I haven't read anything like that in the past. Like threat to democracy. And again, I would like to stress the fact that democracy is new for us. Right, uh, humanity. It's been under kingships forever. Right. Yeah. And or tyranny. I think everyone is. is a, yeah, that, that is a regular member of the church will understand that we as a church. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were, as you said before, we, both of us here hosting today, we were born under a totalitarian dictatorship. You know, Pinochet was a totalitarian dictator. And that was and the world, something yeah. years ago. Just, yeah, <laughs> and the world the has been under kingships forever, right? Yeah. So, Well, I am under a kingship now. We just had the coronation a month ago. Yeah, well, <laughs> Of course, a constitu constitutional monarchy, etc. But yeah, you got it. And uh, we don't have much experience, but what we get from Book of Mormon is that it's way better to choose our rulers rather than being established uh, for whatever reason, right? So uh, it's important to, to highlight this democracy level okay. of, of concern because democracy is fragile. And, and, and I've seen that there are lots of observatories and non-governmental organizations that are trying to address this matter uh, mm. from the economic or more academia perspective. Uh, there is some research related to the fact that uh, democratic countries tend to be wealthier or tend to have uh, a better uh, sense of growth yeah. because of democracy, right? So, yeah. Uh, We need to take care of it because, again, it's fragile and and we can lose it, right? So we can. I think that's implied here. We can lose yeah. it, and you know, kind of align prophetic voices, reminding us in in clearer terms than I remember seeing. We know that uh, President Oaks is usually talking about these types of things, and he he has his own also perspectives, right? He's one data point among the the fifteen prophets, seers, and revelators that we sustain, and also the, the kind of um, of the wider kind of discourse within church. But but here, this is an aligned voice reminding us of that. And then it adds, right after saying that it's a threat to democracy, it says, and inconsistent with revealed standards. And he quotes Doctrine and Covenants 98, verse 10, which I have not read yet. But uh, <laughs> to me, this is also a new kind of addition that, look, that approach to vote in kind of a in a fully kind of traditional way of, you know, this is the party and if you vote for this other party or, you know... You, you're against us. You're not something with us, like you're that. against us. Essentially, yeah. not taking the time to actually research and, and to look at what each candidate or each kind of platform brings, um, it's inconsistent with revealed standards. So I like that. Uh, I plus one that. Uh, I think it's something that needed to be said and probably needs to be reaffirmed often because what I found, uh, not just from my experience in the US, but uh, but also with different levels in Chile and now here in the UK, is that we we like shortcuts and sometimes we equate certain things about our beliefs with 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 a party or with a specific way of voting, and that's just not right, especially in these fluctuating times. For me, the takeaway of this letter is let's please let's not take democracy for granted. So let's let's do something about let's not take uh, it for granted. Yeah, yeah, because we don't want to lose it. Uh, great. Anything else on that? Should we move on to no, the next no. one? Yeah, let's go to the next one. All right, I got one here. Very different tone, and probably just a one minute update. This one is from a site called Faro a las Naciones, which is uh, a Spanish site. Yeah, it means. Um, How do you say faro in English? A beacon? Beacon? Beacon of light? Beacon, yeah, yeah, like a beacon to the lighthouse. A lighthouse, yeah, lighthouse is probably better, but yeah, beacon. Yeah. I always say beacon or bacon. I get confused. That one is more yummy <laughs> than the yeah, other. Bacon, bacon is the, the Stacy <laughs> yeah. uh, big thing, yeah. I exactly. Love it with, with eggs, yeah, with scrambled <laughs> yeah. eggs, yeah. Yeah. Worth another episode, you know, bake, <laughs> which, by the way, is different in the UK. Do you know that? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the American bacon here is called streaky bacon, you know, the long... Okay, yeah, yeah. Here's more of a chunk, which is wider with a tiny, tiny end. 
interesting. It looks like Oklahoma, type with, with like a panhandle, and okay. it tastes slightly different. And one of my first kind of delightful breakfast meals that I discovered here in the UK in a church activity was bacon butties, which is okay. just rolls, you know, a bap, a roll, butter. And bacon, that's it. And, and bacon. sometimes ketchup. And that's like a morning yeah. kind of camp out type thing. We, we had it on a father and son's camp years ago. And I was like, okay, I like UK bacon now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe better than US or kind of American US. bacon. Yeah. Anyway, we yeah. digressed. So back to this. <laughs> Let's get back. Let's get back. Yeah. Back to Faro a las Naciones. So the, the, this blog uh, slash church news site in Spanish uh, published uh, an interesting news story going back to Chile. The first visit of a patriarch to Easter Island. And the first patriarchal Ooh. blessings being given there. What do you think of for, that? For those that are not familiarized with the geography of Chile, then Easter Island is part of the country, even though it's it's miles and miles away. Uh, Easter yeah. Island belongs, right, or it's part of the territorial insular territory, Chilean territory. So uh, it's it's important to mention that because one might think that Easter Island is kind of more related to Hawaii or Fiji or yeah, this kind Polynesia, of island. Yeah. Polynesian, yeah, but it's it's Chilean territory. So uh, the, the church hasn't been that long there. And and to be honest, uh, there are a couple of flights from Chile to Easter Island mm. every week. So it's not kind of, even though it's a very touristic location and place, it's not something, it, it doesn't have commercial flights. It's, it's not that... Yeah. And it has its own local culture and everything. But there's also like a big debate of you know should Israel and be a part we of go Chile? Bigger, uh, yeah, or, or we should bigger touristically speaking. We want oh, to protect yeah, yeah. this island. So yeah, there's another that issue with as that well. as well. And, and for those unfamiliar with Israel Island as well, because we're assuming everybody knows Israel Island is this island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with these big statues called Moais, which. Um, People say that nobody knows how they were built. I think we have kind of a, a rough idea historically, but they're, you know, they treat all of this mysticism and kind of, uh, and, uh, of alien, alien, alien kind of uh, inception yeah. there. And yeah, with yeah, alien like, technology to build the Moais and all, right? It's like the pyramid Stonehenge and the Moais, yeah. right? The, the Moais. There, <laughs> now, you wouldn't believe how remote this island is. If you are on your phone or on your laptop, just go to Google Maps, get, you know, type Easter Island and see how in the middle of nowhere it is like it, it's even though we mentally tied with with um with you know the islands of the south pacific or i don't know hawaii as, as you were saying it's like equidistant probably from chile and these other islands like, there's not much around and it's so nothing. it's yeah it's nothing so this story goes back to um actually an interesting anecdote from elder holland so elder holland jeffrey r holland he Some of you may remember, he and Elder Oaks, both of them went to preside uh, church aliens, the Philippines, Elder Oaks, and Chile, Elder Holland. And this was from 2002 to 2004. I was finishing high school, right before I my went mission. mission. At that time, yeah. Oh, you I were going to? Yeah, yeah, I went 2003, 20, 2005, and then mm. it was just in the middle of. of so you missed period. the bulk of it. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. It was my priest and early kind of ordained elder uh, years okay. right before going on my mission. And it was a, a very, very special time. It was, a, you know, having an, an apostle there, you know, we all felt great. In a way, it triggered probably some of the worst of us in that we felt like cool about it. And it was probably the opposite. The, the area was struggling <laughs> quite a bit yes. back then. Yeah. Small funny fact, uh, Elder Holland and Elder Pratt were the visiting teachers of my wife's grandma. And yeah, that's yeah, right. So that's, that's a very small funny fact. But let, let, let's continue. That's let's right. That, they were in, in that in that stake in, in that ward. Yeah. yeah. In that, ward. Oh, in that, yeah. that same ward. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, during that time, Elder Holland went there. He was very likely the first apostle to visit those islands, and also the, the church there has a branch, uh, a tiny branch, and there the was much connection. I, I think they had missionaries as well, but kind of on they and off. Missionaries they were, from Mission Santiago North, if I'm not mistaken. I, so that's yes. what I remember as well. I don't know if it was ever handed over to the Vigna mission, which is kind of the more obvious I think, one. Yeah, I think now they moved it. Yeah, recently it was so. moved because it made more sense. Even Easter Island belongs to the fifth region as as political divisions. Yeah, in Chile. Uh, yeah, so this story tells that back then when Elder Holland visited, he met with some 
uh, Friends of the Church, also known formerly as Investigators. And <laughs> this is if I remember the story correctly. And uh, th they were very interested in the church and he promised them like some things, uh, you know, that, and that uh, you know, eventually they would be part of building like the church. Like a church building kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and also to these specific uh, friends, right, investigators, okay. uh, he, he talked to them and he was like, one day this, this, this will happen, kind of a prophetic kind of blessing of sorts, even though they were not members. And from that point on, they were kind of eager to to kind of get the, this, these blessings. I think eventually they got baptized and, uh, and and they wanted to get their patriarchal blessings. And what, what it says here is that members from there, whenever they wanted it, they had to fly to mainland Chile which is, as you were saying before, super difficult, expensive, tough. Expensive, and yeah, and it takes a lot yeah. of time. I mean, you can take a boat, but it will take kind of a week. Yeah, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's, it's nonsense. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's a boring trip as well. It's just ocean. <laughs> There's nothing in between. <laughs> what uh, is, yeah. So very difficult. And in this case, uh, the the patriarch of the assigned stake uh, to them in, in, the, in mainland Chile was able to arrange a visit just this year and to give the patriarchal blessing to these members and, and a bunch of others, I believe. So uh, quite a nice story to, to see how the the church has uh, a reach even in, in these very remote locations and places. And there are people of faith that are placing their, their trust and the, their, their it, all. And it also shows certain maturity, you know, church maturity. Uh, you were talking about the, the inception of the church in the late 50s in Chile and how mm -hmm. you have so many stakes now and now we have more temples so we have some uh, new temples that are going to yeah. be built uh, uh, near future we, we even have assigned locations for them and all and it's just wonderful to see how the church has had a powerful impact in, in the country yeah. of course in our lives right preliminarily in our lives but also in the country and, and how it has developed um, to, yeah. to be able, you know, to provide this blessings to those that are far from mainland, right? Yeah, so that's that's really neat. And it's a, it's a, it's a feel-good story, but to close, up, close off on this one, it also shows the kind of a survival tale. Like, as I mentioned before, when Elder Holland was there 20 years ago, it was a period of reconstruction, of like, what's the right <laughs> term? Like rebuilding of the church, because... Uh, yeah, the church redistributing. I think limits. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, it grew up, grew so much, so quickly, and and I want to add that there was an element of the pride cycle that it's impossible to deny, where the focus of of, of many leaders. And I remember that growing up as, as a kid, and I, I know it from my parents' experience as church leaders and kind of serving in the church at that time. That yeah, probably way too many members at the local, even area level, had this focus on on growth that was not real growth, and eventually found it was ourselves inorganic growth. Yeah, yeah, it was inorganic, and and I think one of the 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 problems there was the fact that uh, there was enough capacity to you know to welcome all this new members. So it it wasn't just a matter of of a positive perspective mm -hmm. of welcoming everyone but when you don't have the resources or and by resources i mean people you know people in words yeah. uh, uh experience uh, from local leaders also to to provide this transitioning element for for people that were i don't know catholic or christian other denominations that uh, were invited to church they, they did covenants and then they were uh, found uh, they found this kind of isolating experience of not understanding this church culture, uh, the administrative elements within it and, and how to live up to the standards that as members are, were invited to, you know, to follow yeah, certain exactly. commandments that are not uh, traditionally uh, easy to, to, to understand or to absorb as a new member, right. Or as a convert. Yeah. So in, in, in kind of more financial terms, it was a bit of a bubble. So, I mentioned how, how in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, the church grew. bubble. But it, it was awesome, like a yeah. re real growth. You know, the, the members that got baptized during that time, they stayed, they kind of became leaders. And but uh, until, just to, to stop you there a second, well, but these members, I don't know, they had lessons for months. They were invited to read the full Book of Mormon before they were baptized. Yeah. So it was, and then church works, or, or the church meetings were longer. You know, they had Sundays, they had yeah, uh, mutual on a different day. They had primary on a different day. You went to church early on Sunday, and then in the afternoon you went to 
Sunday they school. Double shift yeah, church, yeah. right? Morning and evening, yes, uh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And and some other days during the week, you know, Relief Society had their own classes and kind of courses uh, and self-reliance kind of things. So, of course, it was a different time. Yeah. People had... Uh, different availabilities as well. And and then uh, church kind of provided them with all these sorts of social, uh, educational, uh, spiritual nourishment that in the 90s and, and 2000s or 80s yeah. and 2000s, I would say. Uh, kind of faded away, mm -hmm. yeah. So there was one year, I remember reading um, kind of church, kind of local church statistics for, for Chile. And I think the peak year in terms of baptisms was either 1988 or 89 with nearly 100,000 baptisms in one year. To give you some context, Chile has Ooh. a little over 600,000 members. So that means that that year, nearly like 15 to 20 it's a 17 of, million country people yeah it's a 17 yeah, exactly. million country people yeah. so it's yeah currently, currently about three percent of chileans uh you know are baptized members of the church you know less than that recognize or, or acknowledge it but so the, the things that <laughs> those were probably the, the the moments in which we started seeing kind of that that growth was really difficult to sustain and i remember being a, a young deacon in a an overdivided ward after all of this massive growth of members that just stopped staying. Not not like the ones you mentioned before, right? But the ones yeah. that that just could, couldn't stay. And and um, you know, with thirty thirty five people in oh. attendance, but with like a thousand people in the roles, right? And around that time, late nineties, is when yeah, when Elder Holland came. And I I I don't know the exact reasons, right? But uh, I think it's very difficult to think of other reasons. But the you know the fact that church leadership finally started reporting you know what things are a bit of a mess here and we need to to do something we need to uh, yeah we need to straighten them up a little bit and and yeah. like to make sure that all these uh, changes again are are well rounded they're uh, important yeah. they will benefit the the bigger and and I wish I wish they did that more often because this particular case is the only one I have in recent memory of kind of following the Book of Mormon example of Alma leaving the chief judge seat and kind of just going to the locale. To the field. To, to yeah. the field, exactly. And in this case, they came and they saw, and I know from very, very good uh, sources, right, that uh, around that time, you know how the church has this bias for optimism, which I think it's fine, right? It's like the church yeah. is growing more than ever and you're the greatest generation. Of yeah, all times, yeah. yeah. yeah et cetera. Yeah. And, and what I know from, from reliable sources is that, that upon the arrival of Elder Holland, the first couple of months, he was like, wow, this is the best place on earth. Like people are so good. Whenever I go to a state conference and whatnot, they're just the best. However, he was advised to, you know what, they're just putting their best face forward like any human being would do, but like the first date. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, then they were like, what we need to do is we need to start visiting them unannounced and let's go unannounced and, uh, and, and see what, what happens, see what, what, what's, what's really under the rug, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what they did. And, and I know of one word, which was my first word as a missionary, which uh, was one of those words <laughs> in 2003 or yeah. so. Like, like Holland, 30 members, 40 members kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Holland show, showed up at 10, you know, and it was 10, 15 and sacrament meeting hadn't started type of things, right? And oh. there, there was not, you know, like a, a complete, you know. Mess. Yeah, it was a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mess. And, uh, and that, that was really eye-opening that, you know, there was no no debate that there needed to be a major restructuring. And I'm personally hyper happy that that happened because it was a very formative years for me as a, as a uh, teacher, priest age, right? Um, my stake, my ward was affected by that and eventually got merged with other wards and eventually the state got merged with another one. And my youth group grew from being myself and my brother who was kind of graduating and uh, some one other kid. <laughs> back to having like a proper group of like 10 not not, not huge group but it, enough critical mass to, to I, have I think it's 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 only reasonable you know as you're growing up to share with other youth right and and I don't think this dividing words and stakes it's 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 needed to for improvement it's just an obsession of humans you know or 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 administrators right or or people that are that that see division as as a way of growing uh, in some cases, on the contrary, dividing words or stakes 
will only uh, prevent youth to have opportunities to uh, share and interact with other youth that share the same beliefs and, 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 and experiences in a, in a very nice setting where, where they can build up relationships that will last forever. So uh, what I've seen here locally, right, here in Albany Stake, this is a, a 12-unit stake with branches and words, right? And my word that, that uses the, the stake uh, center building uh, gets together with the branch. And then the branch has more youth than my own word. Uh, but uh, six months, we gather in the word building. And the other six months of the year, we gather in the stake center building. And it's just great to see so many uh, youth uh sharing and, and, and being together for, for youth activities. Right. And yeah. it's, it's faith promoting, you know, and it's, it's positive to see that uh, it's okay to, to be together or, or, or to include other words or other, you know, uh, branches or administrative divisions that, that are nearby just to see each other every week, because those relationships are the ones that help them when, I don't know, they have to decide if they're going on a mission or not, or if they, yeah. they're having some uh, faith uh, issues uh, to see or to feel strengthened by, by seeing these other people around you, you know? So it's it, when, when, you, when you're by yourself in the word, it's just boring, you know? Yeah, and, it's, and, it's a bit and there's to no follow. purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a bit tougher to follow the example of brother so-and-so that's like 50-something years old or 60 years old when you're a youth and you need kind of, to, you know, you need your peers, right? So yeah. uh, plus one to everything you said and, and to finish on that, uh, to me, it was a tr truly a, a blessing. I don't think there, there is another word and uh, thumbs up to the church of having done that 20 years ago. My last question on this topic is, do you ever... Cause I think I have a little bit of PTSD from that era, right? Of uh, and and sorry for using that that word lightly. Like I, it's not PTSD, but you know, I, I remember that time, and I'm like, I hope that doesn't happen again, right? Th th those periods of kind of mindless growth, and then we have to kind of repent and restructure, and things are are fine now in Chile or stable. And when I see the growth in like Africa or I see the growth in the Philippines or other areas that I'm way less acquainted with, but I just look at the numbers and kind of the messages from the church that the church is growing so much there. Don't you have those feelings of Oop, I hope Ooh, that they learn something? It's, it's not the same story. It's not the, exactly. the, the old same story we 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 went through. And what I'm thinking first is that again, this cultural element uh, gets in the middle, and uh, I think uh, the divisions and building up more church buildings. It's with the best of intentions, you know. It's with the the, the purpose of accommodating everyone in 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 nicer places, right? And to have a, a Place to to worship and, and to to gather right and, and to have opportunities to to learn and serve and and I'm I'm hoping or I'm rooting to uh, this cultural element that will allow this growth to be uh, really organic and, and and really sustainable in time for for this uh, continents you know because uh, I, I don't I, I'm I'm hoping it's not going to be repeated. Uh, uh, or never more, right? Uh, we hope yeah. this happens. We learned the lesson. Yeah, right. yeah we we'll learned the lesson. But most importantly, local leaders are also mindful about uh, seeing growth as an opportunity to provide others with the blessing of the gospel in their lives, rather than just growing because growth is good. Growth is is provides uh, the church leadership with the sense that we're growing, so we're great. But yeah. uh, but on on the side of we're growing because people are growing in their faith because they, yeah. they feel they they, they chose uh, to follow Jesus Christ right and 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 be yeah. part of the of the gathering of Israel kind of thing right yeah I I remember that in those years kind of following that big consolidation period around the time when I was serving my mission, actually. And then when I went back to Chile, it remained that focus. They were talking a lot about real growth. And it was kind of the same way that, that I don't know, the covenant path and phrases like that have become a bit of kind of a, a catchphrase within the church in, in the last few years, at least locally in Chile and South America South. You know, the, this message of real growth was really big because of that. We were still kind of trying to consolidate the learnings from that difficult period of, of having to merge so many stakes and, and, kind of owning up to to the, the not as real growth that, that preceded it so i'm hopeful I, I share your your hope i think it's a different time a different era as well facing different challenges than back in the late 90s and early 2000s right 
So, and I feel like people that are really coming into into the church uh, that are coming into in, in that context already kind of with a lot of the baggage pre-filter in many ways. But I think we're good to leave it at that for now. Uh, great story, you know, from Easter Island down to a very deep conversation about church growth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's impossible, I think, for us just to yeah. to address in a very objective perspective this this news because there's always something interesting to to mention about this yeah. this elements. Why don't yeah. we go to to the, to I think the we temple have time for, take? Yeah, we have time for one more. Let, let's go with that one, and yeah. let's see if we then do a big sweep of the remaining ones before we close. Probably the the, the first question we can we can mention is uh, what temple video did you get to see, right? Or what's your first impression of your first temple experience when, oh, you're when you were me. in oh, doubt? Okay. And yeah. this is about the, the, the first temple endowment video news, right? About the Disney yes. Fantasia. Okay. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to get to that. My first temple video, and for those that haven't been to the temple and gone through their endowments, just know that, uh, the, the ordinance actually a video presentation uh, much of it it's conveyed through a video presentation so the first one i watched was the one with michael ballam you know who michael ballam is okay is the um let's let's just say so that yeah it's it's a, uh, let, let me let me yeah uh, evolve uh, or or provide some more insights about it uh for instructional purposes, there is a video, and and then what we we learn from the video is the the creation, the plan of salvation, yeah. yeah. So, so the plan of salvation and, and 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 creation process, and I think it's just significant to mention that uh, because it's an instructional video, then uh, information is provided throughout the video. So you need to have actors and actresses portraying, right? Uh, and when when we mention that. Uh, for those that that are into I don't know um, cinema or or music, yeah. uh, the video took a, a, a higher relevance, right? And and I think it, it was difficult for not me, to, yeah, to, yeah. not to get hooked into it. And, and for me, I was even a bit obsessed with it because uh, later on, when I went to other sessions, I found out that there was a second video, and therefore there had it had another set of actors and actresses. So it was just uh, fun, you know, uh, yeah. it's to a go to the session, of course, for, for, for the purpose of, of uh, you know, remembering the covenants. Yeah. Yeah. Worshiping and, and remembering the covenants, the covenants you, you make there. Uh, but also with this fun element of, of seeing different actors and actresses portraying and, 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 and trying to provide this uh, instruction. Yeah, so that's great context for what I said before, right? So Michael Ballam was one of the actors in one of those videos, and uh, he portrayed one of the, the main characters in the presentation of the yeah. endowment, which was uh, Lucifer. So, and it was a very, um, what's the best adjective to define it? Kind of a flamboyant type presentation. He, he's an actor Theatrical. With, with a background of musical theater. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I personally loved it, and I think a lot of people do as well. Resonates. It's kind of an old school type of portrayal, and, and you it's know difficult what? to forget his performance. I would say, yeah, yeah. his delivery. And I, you know what? Uh, just a, a couple months ago, I, I ran into this YouTube channel that had like old school church videos. And don't worry, it didn't have kind of the, the temple videos. It's fine. But I run into... Yeah, because they're sacred, yeah. Yeah, but I run into um, a video of uh, President Hinckley's 90th birthday, which was from like 2010, 2000, no, 2000 actually, yeah. Wait, 90th? Yeah, from the year 2000, around the time that the, the conference center was um, uh, dedicated, etc. It was one of the first events that made there. And... You know why I clicked on it? It's because the thumbnail on the video was Michael Ballam, right? But really? in the conference center, like singing. I was like, whoa, what, what's happening? Whoa, really? Of course, you see his face. For those yeah. that went to the temple during that time, he's like the face yeah. of, you know, oh. the evildoer, you know, of the evil doing. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, whoa, what's going on here? What video is that? Why is that there? And I, I see like President Hinckley's uh, 90th birthday celebration, and they, they had like a cultural event there in the conference center. So I clicked, and he was like the first kind of the first musical number was him singing incredibly. I mean, the, that 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 man like what a talented man then, yeah, incredibly talented, and kind of seeing a very different 
angle of himself <laughs> yeah. than the one we were used to. So that yeah, that so was let's let's memorable. not reduce him as Lucifer, but but no, as no, no a exactly. And I think he's still around. Artist yeah. and yeah, around it exactly. So that was my first video. So you want to tell us more about this news? Uh, I think we have yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, there is a an, an LDS living article related to the first temple video that was produced by the church, and 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 the need for that was because uh, the church had. Of a temple that was outside the U.S. soil, right? The U.S. Uh, country. Yeah. So they needed to to have a video that that was, let's say, simpler uh, in, in terms of of offering the instruction in a way that required less uh, people Overhead. involved, yeah, people, right? Yeah. Uh, people involved. So uh, one of the wonderful things about it is that. Uh, President Hinckley, which at the time was in church of many, many, many hats uh, in the church administration, and one of them was, was of course, this uh, producing uh, all this uh, audiovisual material, right? Uh, so he was asked to to take this project onward and to find a way that required less uh, people involved in in uh, uh, on a on a daily operation in the temple to. To present the same temple instruction uh, and also to find a way to to present it in different languages, because as the Swiss temple will be needed to be presented in Swedish and uh, German, probably. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know if I'm running short. Maybe I don't know Portuguese or whatnot, whatever, whichever <laughs> exactly. other language. Yeah. Uh, the article is more specific in, in, in nature about it, but what, what's interesting is that it it took a heavy toll in terms of time, in terms of producing, in terms of finding which was the right balance, and even Fantasia, uh, Walt Disney Pictures approved the use of of a small clip of Fantasia to be used in the temple video. So, and then the article tells a little bit about the the, the story of of. President Hinckley flying to Switzerland to deliver the video and the audio to the to the temple, right? To to, to the temple office in order to to be installed in the temple uh, while that it was awesome. uh, yeah. about to be dedicated, media, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the physical media. You know, you, you didn't have a I don't know flash no, drive or 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 yeah, no yeah. You, you had to. You, so it he needed a, a bigger suitcase for the tape. And then a smaller suitcase where he can bring the audio, and and he had to take the 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 videotape to the cockpit in the in the airplane. So so it was it was huge. His concerns about uh, the tape yeah. being carried by someone different from him, and then when he arrived to Switzerland, costumes required the video and the audio to be uh, approved by the kind of the ministry of. of Oh, like uh, censorship uh, type entertainment, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, censorship type, right? So it was a huge thing, and it was a, a, a huge load for President Hinckley to make sure that the video uh, wasn't in the wrong hands, and that uh, it had a smooth transition from Salt Lake to uh, the Swiss Bern Temple. So it's just so powerful to understand first this. Uh, analogous world where everything is physical, you know, and uh, you have to really kind of be uh, in charge of protecting the the, the sacredness of of, of these uh, products, right? Yeah. And at the same time, see the blessings, the small blessings that were happening throughout the process. So that's quite the story, and I think it's important. I mean, of course, this is not everybody's cup of tea, right? Kind of, I have that similar fascination with the history of temples and, and all that, as you shared before. Uh, so I thrive on this type of stuff. But I think even for, for those that don't, I think it's good to know how much goes into to doing this and also how th this is a vehicle to deliver these ordinances and that vehicle is ever changing in a way. Like we just went through a few major updates the last few months, right? That even included, included some content updates. I do want to close by saying this, and this is a personal preference. I hope that in the not so distant future, we get live action videos again <laughs> for, for those that don't know yeah. the current version is more of a slideshow um but, but yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it, it, to... could, it could be and it could be something nice for some people yeah but exactly yeah. I, I would rather have this uh, more yeah. live action experience and and 
especially if we can now, some, some technology, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially so, now that. It, the... it, it, I, I think it, it makes you feel more engaged. Also, it, decision takes a while, and then the span of attention of any human <laughs> is also small. So you need something that that keeps you. You know, awaken and toes. And, yeah, for, yeah, for and, those of and, us with short attention spans, yeah, we we miss that. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's great. Uh, thanks for sharing that one. I think we're kind of running out of time, which is good. We only covered three articles of news, which leaves a lot for another episode in the future. We will uh, leave it at that then. But uh, thanks, Danny. Uh, it's been a pleasure for those of you that. Thank you for inviting um, me. I mean, it's it's been lovely to to be or to have the opportunity, you know, just to share some some insights from from a, yeah, from a yeah particular so, guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, your perspective I've always valued. I mean, we've had probably done many episodes like this that have just not been recorded. Right? We, we talk about this type of stuff often, <laughs> and, and the reviews are yeah. always uh, thought provoking and. and and I'm particularly keen to, to hear more about your time there in the U.S. as well now, after being not just born and raised in Chile, but also kind of being a full-blown adult there and this massive change. So thank you, Danny. Uh, we thank all of the listeners as well. I hope uh, this was helpful for you as well. Uh, I hope there's a chance to come back. <laughs> we, and I hope you enjoy it. I, I, yeah. we're, we're aiming not to bore you by our comments and opinions, but I think we're, yeah. we're just looking forward to more opportunities like this to share some some insights from our particular perspectives and to do that we strongly encourage you yeah Yeah. contact at thisweekinmormons.org or dot com i can't remember now but yeah contact contact at this week in Mormons or even contact us through Twitter, through Facebook, through our social media pages. We want to hear feedback. What else would you like to hear about from the uh, Twim International Edition episode? So uh, we're, we're, we're keen to cover all of it. Today was very Chile-centric for obvious reasons, but in the future we'll make sure to cover some other news. And we'll leave it at Thank you that. to this week's Mormons, right? Uh, this week's in Mormons for the opportunity also, you know, to, to share and to yeah. To have this time, I think I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. I, I hope you that you're listening right now also enjoyed this perspectives, right? All these points of views that are different probably from, from the, you know, trend or from the mainstream. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much. Contact at thisweekinmormons.com and the social media pages are the next stop if you have feedback. And... Other than that, God be with you till we meet again. Yes, we should have like the little music there, the, the outro, although maybe the Tabernacle Choir might give us a copyright strike for doing that. <laughs> That's how uh, Music <laughs> of the Spoken Word finishes, right? If I remember correctly. But yeah, yes. thank you, everyone. Take care till the next one. And have a great uh, week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.